Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Oh, gee. Make some noise! This is Dan Canobio, and you're listening to the Inside Boxing Live podcast. In this episode, we sit down in studio with rising Irish superstar Mick Conlon. He talks about his climb to the top of the sport, navigating New York City, and why boxers who cheat should be thrown in jail. We also talk to Regis Progre, who is coming off of a destruction of Julius Ndongo. We'll get his thoughts on the 140-pound division, as well as calling out Mikey Garcia. Please keep in mind that we taped this show before we got news of Terrence Crawford's hand injury. It looks like his fight with Jeff Horn is going to be pushed back to sometime in late May, and it's looking like it's going to be in Vegas. But we have a great show for you. Mick Conlon, Regis Progre, in case you missed it, and probably the best Twitter hitters of all time. Here we go. What's up, everybody? Welcome to a special edition of Inside Boxing Live. We're coming to you from Jack Doyle's restaurant and bar right in the heart of Manhattan, New York City. We're a few steps away from Madison Square Garden. And on uh, Saturday night, Top Rank will put on another great show at the theater at MSG. And on this episode, we have a, a special one for you folks. We got the Fighting Pride of Ireland. Mick Conlon will join us right here on the set at this table. Mick Conlon also calling into the show Regis Progray. He had a huge win over Julius Ndongo on a past Friday night on Showtime. We'll get Regis' thoughts on the 140-pound division. Uh, Mikey Garcia, I know he's going to want to fight Mikey Garcia very soon. So we'll talk to Regis Progray. We'll also talk to Mick Conlon as his career is really starting to, to ramp up here in uh, 2018. This past weekend, we saw a very bloody weekend in the world of boxing. Uh, Oscar Valdez taking on Scott Quigg. Wow, what a war that was. Uh, Oscar Valdez uh, uh, coming into this fight against an opponent in Scott Quigg who missed weight, came in three pounds overweight. Uh, and we didn't know if it was a tactical move. We didn't know if he had a foot injury and he, he couldn't uh, get those final three pounds off. But, you know, the fight was almost in danger of not even happening. As early as uh, Saturday afternoon, there were tweets being sent out that this fight might not happen. You know, uh, Top Rank was, was telling Oscar Valdez not to take this fight. It's too much of a risk going in there against a guy that wasn't even willing to hop on the scale on Saturday morning. It, you know, it, it's, it, that's what happens in boxing. If you miss weight, you are mandated or I guess not mandated, but you are, it is common practice that you hop on the scale on Saturday morning so you don't blow up too much. Scott Quigg wouldn't even hop on the scale on Saturday morning. So he went into the ring looking like almost a middleweight up against Oscar Valdez, who comes in, you know, at the much lower weight than that. Bloody war going back and forth, eating punches. Valdez ends up breaking his jaw, fracturing his hand, gets the W. You know, his stock way up right now. Uh, Oscar Valdez is a name you're going to want to see in the sport of boxing. We also saw on Saturday night 
Well, I'm almost forgetting about Regis Progray. He fought Friday night, beat Julius and Dongo. That was Friday night from Deadwood, South Dakota, of all places, on a special edition of Showtime Championship Boxing. Regis Progray made a huge statement. We'll talk to him next here on Inside Boxing Live. But then on Saturday night, we, we moved over to San Antonio, Texas, where we saw Mikey Garcia uh, pick up the, his fourth title in as many weight classes, made some history in San Antonio when he fought a very game, uh, Sergey Lipinets. Uh, this was a back-and-forth fight that was, you know, had everything you wanted to see. We'll, we'll talk about Mikey Garcia. Also, the fights this weekend, top rank. we got Michael Conlon stepping into the ring. Uh, we have Amir Aman taking on Jose Ramirez. That's a WBC eliminator. 140-pound division, red hot right now. Uh, going back a little bit since the last we talked, Deontay Wilder and Luis Ortiz put on one of the most memorable heavyweight title fights in the last 20 years. Uh, Wilder and Ortiz going at it. Uh, uh, Ortiz had Wilder out on his feet in the seventh round. Wilder comes back, knocks him out in the tenth. Crowd going crazy at the Barclays. Excitement through the roof for the heavyweight division in boxing. You have, you know, non-boxing fans. You have casual fans who know who Deontay Wilder is now. And that's great because this just bangs the drum for Anthony Joshua versus Deontay Wilder. We'll get some thoughts on that later on in the show. And also Canelo. He ate the meat for my friends. We've seen all the tweets. We've seen everything. We've heard every excuse in the book on why Canelo failed that drug test. I feel like the fight's still going to move on. Way too much money on the line there. So this is a jam-packed episode. Inside Boxing Live, we're coming to you from Jack Doyle's here in the heart of Manhattan. Coming up next, we're going to talk with Regis Progray. Before we get into our interview here with Regis Progay, I'm going to tell you about Jack Doyle's restaurant and bar where we are right now filming this episode of Inside Boxing Live, located just a few steps away from Madison Square Garden. Uh, Jack Doyle's is the place to come for any big game. Uh, March Madness is right around the corner. We've got a bunch of big fights. Uh, it's got TVs all over the place, two floors, drink specials. Come check out Brendan and his crew. They will take care of you. Tell them that the Inside Boxing crew sent you. And with that, we're going to bring in a fighter right now that is very hot. He came off of a very good win over Julius Ndongo on Friday night on uh, Showtime Boxing. He's uh, Regis Progray, and he joins us right now. Regis, I appreciate you hopping on with us, man. Cool, man. Thanks, Thanks for having me on, man. I want to talk to you about that win over Julius Ndongo. You you did whatever you wanted in there. Uh, here at CompuBox, we like to crunch the numbers. You landed 54% of your power shots, right in line with what you've been doing over the last four fights. You also land 54% of your power shots. Talk to us a little bit about the fight with Julius Ndongo. When did you know you could practically do whatever you want in there? Really, from the opening bell, you know, um, I, you know, he was working. Well, the thing, the whole thing about. My training camp is always real hard, you know. Um, you know, of course, it was supposed to be Vicky Post Dog, but then they changed to Julius and Dog. And when they changed that, of course, I had to change sparring partners. So when I changed sparring partners, um, I was I was sparring with middleweight, like true middleweight, 160 pound fighter. So in a gym, you know, they sparred, they probably 30, 40 pounds bigger than sparring. And you know, and so basically, I was getting hit with a lot of power shots and sparring. So as far as like 100, you know, and I was I was I was handling. My, my sparring partners, um, you know, I was doing real good against my sparring partners also. So, when I know once I get in the ring with a 140-pound fighter, they're not going to be able to touch me. So, any, you know, to answer your question about Julius Ndongo, it was just opening bell, you know. I, he was trying, at first he couldn't hit me, and then he hit me a little bit in the first round, and I went back to the corner. I told my coach, I told Coach Bobby, I said, look, he can't hurt me. I got him. And if a fighter, if if I, if I don't respect the fighter, then it's, it's going to be downhill from there. So, 
Um, and, and then I just walked him down. You know, I walked him down and, and, and got him out of there. When did you get the call that, you know, Postal was out? Take us through that where, you know, you're training for, for, for Postal for months on end. And then you get the call that Ndongo's going to get in. Does that really throw a fighter for a loop, or is that something like, you know, you just grit down and bear it at that point? It just, it, it matters to me. You know, I want, like, my, my whole thing is I'm a competitor, and I want the biggest names. I want the big names. Ndongo is a, a former two-time world champion, you know. So, you know, he's, him and him and both, both was a, a former champion. Ndongo was a former champion, but he had two belts. So it was actually, you know, it was actually better. And I know, you know, of course, I'm a, like I said, I'm a competitor, so... Terrence Crawford, you know, it was it was it was hard to compete with Terrence Crawford because Terrence Crawford knocked him out in you know in the third round, but I got him out in the second round. You know, it just shows you how competitive I am. You know, I could I could have probably tried to box him and stuff, but I was just like, you know what, I wanna. Terrence Crawford is the number one pound for pound fight in the world right now, and me and him fought the same person. Let you know he fought him last, and I knocked him out early. You know, I knocked him out around before he did. So. It just tell you something. I, I wanted to make a statement about myself, like how good I really am. Yeah, I was, that was the next thing I was going to bring up is that a lot of people were like, wow, Terrence Crawford uh, got in the, into the ring with Ndongo and it took him three rounds. Regis gets in there, wipes him out in two. What do you think about the, the state of the 140-pound division? You can make the case right now that's one of the best in boxing. And I don't know if you saw this tweet from Terrence Crawford. He tweeted out something like, oh, all of a sudden, once I leave the division, all of a sudden everyone wants to fight everybody. What do you make of that? And what can you t- tell us about the 140-pound division right now? Well, well, the 140-pound division is definitely heating up right now. I think, you know, it's only really it's, 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 it's really heating up, but it's only two fighters' names right now that really matter, which is Regis Progray and Mikey Garcia. That's the only two names really at 140 right now. And I, I feel like that'll be, you know, one of the biggest fights, you know, probably 18 months down the line, that'll be probably one of the biggest fights in boxing. But as far as the whole division, like it, it's definitely heating up. Um, it's a lot of good fighters. It's a lot of belts out there. So, of course, a lot of people want the belt. And a lot of people trying to go after the belts and stuff like that. You know, but, yeah, um, as far as Terrence Crawford go, you know, I, I, I want to fight him. You know, I was, I think when he was, when he was champion, I was like number three or something like that. I called out Terrence Crawford. I definitely, I did. I wanted to fight him. But, you know, it, it just never happened. You know, I know my name wasn't big enough, so it just, you know, it never happened. Um, but, it just shows you. I just like I said. I want to be compared with the best. You know? So I know you know the 140 pound division is is definitely heating up right now. It's a lot of good fighters out there. It's a lot of fighters that's hungry and good. But as far as the the, the names at 140, Regis Progray and Mike Garcia. That's the biggest name. That's a very mouth. That's a salivating fight for boxing fans. I know you uh, flew from Deadwood, uh, where the fight was, over to uh, to Texas to San Antonio to watch Mikey Garcia fight. What did you make of uh, uh, Garcia's performance? Because Lipinets really brought it to him. He didn't just hand over that belt. You know, uh, ter- uh, oh, right? Garcia put in some good work there. Yeah, it was. I mean, it was a good fight, man. You know, I was a fan that night. Um, it was a real good fight. I like both of them. Actually, Lipinets. Actually, I thought. You know, my, my whole thing. I thought. I knew. I, I felt like Mikey was going to win, but I think I thought he was going to knock out Lipinets. And Lipinets actually showed. You know, he showed a lot of heart. He got dropped. He got off the canvas. And he hit Mikey with some big shots, you know, and, and Lipinitz is a strong puncher. And Mikey took those shots. He ate them up, you know. So it just shows you how good both of them are. And, I, you know, I want to fight both. In the future, I want to fight either, both of them, either one. I want to fight Lipinitz, and I would want to fight Mikey, you know, in the future. But, you know, as far as that night, you know, I was a fan. And, you know, Mikey, you know, Mikey looked good. You know, the thing is, Mikey is 
he's a very basic fighter. He's very fundamentally sound. You know, he he does. He's not anything special. Like as far as special effects, he don't. He's not super fast. He don't hit super hard. But he just got a lot of fundamentals. He's very basic. And he sticks to his fundamentals. And that's yeah. what makes. I think that's what sets. That's what really sets him apart. Yeah. Um, and he has he has a lot of heart. Also. I think that's a pretty good uh, uh, analysis of Mikey Garcia. Very technical. You, on the other hand, are look like a very superb athlete. And we had your promoter Lou DeBella on our last show, and I've known Lou forever. And uh, I've been on the Regis Progray hype train for quite a while. I'm not someone that's just hopping on now, like a lot of people are. But Lou DeBella said that your style, he reminds you, he reminds you of, a, of a young uh, Sergio Martinez, you know, kind of putting your head in there, hands down, extreme athletic ability. What do you think of that comparison? That's shit. That, I mean, that's a great comparison, <laughs> you know. Sergio is somebody, you know, I watch as a southpaw. I watch all the Sergio, I watch all of his fights, you know, all the fights that was on TV. I watched all of them, you know, and, and Sergio himself, you know, said he, you know, I remind him of um, of himself, you know, so that's definitely a great comparison, man. Just to be compared with somebody like that, Sergio was a great fighter, and, you know, I'm, I'm honored to be compared to him, you know, but I, I feel like I, I do see, you know, similarities, me and Sergio, you know, I'm, I'm, I am, I'm athletic, and, you know, I, I can, I'm very durable, you know, people, they can't hurt me either, you know, that's why a lot of people say, yeah, I don't play enough defense, but I... You know, if, if somebody can hurt me, if somebody can show me some power and, 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 I, and I can respect them, then, of course, I can play defense because, like I said, with, with my sparring partners, you know, I do the same thing. I was this For this fight, I was sparring with 160-pound fighters, you know, so they probably was in the ring. Like I said, we sparring 30 pounds. They probably 30 pounds bigger than me. So, you know, I have to do a lot of different things in there, you know. Um, but, yeah, man, I, I, it's, it's great to be compared to somebody like Sergio. Regis, you'll be in attendance uh, this Saturday at the Madison Square Garden. I saw something on Twitter. You're going to be there. Yep. You're going to be the fan once again. You're going to be a, a spectator with a lot on the line here when uh, Ramirez takes on a mom. You can potentially face the winner of that fight. Uh, tell us a little about those two fighters and, uh, you know, what, what can you tell us about that? Um, yeah, well, it's supposed, I'm supposed to face the winner of them two. Um, as far as the fight goes, I think it's a 50-50 fight. I think if it goes the decision... I, I see uh, uh, Ramirez winning, but I think Amon has the puncher's chance to where he can, he might can knock him out. He might be, can be able to knock out Ramirez. He's slick and you know he he has good um he's slick and he has he has good power and a uh, good jab and stuff like that. So he might be able to knock out Ramirez. He might be able to set him up and knock him out. But um, if it goes the distance, then I, I see Ramirez winning. But either one, I want to fight either one. It doesn't matter for me. It doesn't matter who wins. I just want the belt, you know. I feel like I deserve the belt. I actually feel like I deserve the belt right now. Why? I just feel like why would they not put me and Julius Ndongo for a belt, put a right. for the official belt, and they they would put somebody else, you know, for interim title. You know, I know it's a lot of politics, but for me it doesn't matter. I'm gonna get it anyway, you know. So I'm ready to, you know, I'm ready to fight either one, whoever wins. We love the confidence. We love the confidence with your readers. Are you gonna pull maybe a Sean Porter and try to run into the ring and call him out? Um, I'm pretty sure I will. Um, I, I don't think I'm a. I don't think I'll go crazy like Sean Porter. I'm already mandatory, you know, so yeah. I don't have to. Right, I know right. Sean Porter was doing the stuff because he wanted to fight. I'm mandatory, you know. I they have to. They basically have to fight. Now, of course, I know in boxing, you know, just because somebody has to fight, that don't mean they would because Postal was a was a mandatory and he pulled out the fight, you know. So, um, but as far as the, the belt, they have to fight me. 
And, yeah, I probably will go in the ring and, you know, say a little something. I don't think I'll go crazy unless I – it depends how I feel, you know. If, yeah. if they go crazy on me, I'll go crazy on them. So, it, for me, it all depends on how I feel, you know. But, um, yeah, it, it, it'll be a mandatory fight. So, that'll be the fight. That'll be – that should be my next fight. Regis, before you let you go, I want to talk a little bit about your background. Uh, 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 fighter or fans, if they don't know, you grew up in New Orleans. You were de- uh, displaced by Katrina. You were affected by the most recent uh, hurricane in Texas. You know, it's been, uh, with that aside, and it's been a long road for you to get to this point now. People are starting to take notice of Regis Progre. Do you feel like right now you're on the doorstep of being a superstar? And tell us, you know, what it's like now for you as you're, you know, moments away from uh, being a world title and getting all the credit that you deserve. Yeah, I mean, it feels good, man. People's really starting to notice me. And, I mean, the whole thing about me, I, I believed in myself all the way. You know, I, I was fighting. My first ten fights, I probably fought like four of them, four or five of them for free, you know. So not even, of course, I've been through a lot as far as natural disasters go, you know, hurricanes and all that. But as far as my boxing career, I've been through way more. You know, I, I fought, like I said, I fought for free a bunch of times. Um, I traveled and, and did all kinds of stuff. And, and I, had a, I had a real hard road. I, I didn't get signed. I went to Olympic trials. Um, and I, but I didn't get signed right out the amateurs, so I had a, I had a very very long road, you know. But it all it only made me strong. Everything made me it made me hungry and it made me stronger. And I always believed in myself, you know. When even when I was an amateur, it was it was people fighting on TV. It was pros fighting on TV, and I'll be kicking their ass in the gym. So I always knew I always knew how good I was. Yeah. I always knew like one day I'm gonna get there, you know. I just need the chance, and I'm I'm thankful for Lou Bella giving me that shot Lou Bella saw something in me and and he said and he signed me and then after he signed me it was it was only a few fights before I started fighting on TV and of course once you start fighting on TV you expose yourself to the whole world and you know once the world saw me then that was it you know but I always believed that I would be a superstar I always believed that and I think right now I, I probably will be one of the next biggest names in boxing you know so I'm just, you know, like I said, it's all—it's about the belief. I always believed in myself. I always knew I'd be there. Um, I'm hungry, and I'm still hungry, and I have a chip on my shoulder. That's the thing about me also. You know, I have a, I still have a chip on my shoulder. People still, some people still don't give me credit. I was reading some stuff. They were saying about Undongo. They were saying, oh, he's a bum. But, but when Terrence Crawford fought him, and he got it, he got all the belts. Terrence Crawford is considered the number one or number two pound for pound fight in the world. But when I fight him, he's a, when I fight him and I knock him out in the second round, all of a sudden he's a bump, you know. So yeah. I still, you know, for me, I still got the chip on my shoulder, and you know, it, it's kind of a it's, it's a good chip, but it's a bad chip because when I go in the fight, I think about that. When I go in the fight, I think about look, people said I couldn't do this, and they said I couldn't do this, and I love, I love that. Like I love when people say I can't do something. I love when people say I'm not this, I'm not that. It only motivates you to do better. You know, I'm I'm the type of person I love pressure. Pressure, pressure makes diamonds, and I'm that type of person. You give me pressure, I love it. People can, you know, with the with the whole Terrence Crawford thing. Terrence Crawford knocked him out in three rounds. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna knock him out in two rounds, and that's and that's exactly what I did. I'm gonna knock him out early in that, and that's exactly what I did. And um, like I said, I, you know, I, I love the pressure, and I'm gonna keep, you know, I got the chip on my shoulder. Regis, keep the pressure on. Uh, I think the fans can really identify with uh, your journey. Here to superstardom, you're right on the precipice of it. Stay hungry. I think the fans really identify with you, you know your struggles, whether it was you know being signed late 
or the, all the natural disasters. We're rooting for you here at Inside Boxing Live. Much thanks for coming on the show, hopping on with us on a very short notice, and we look forward to seeing you this weekend at the fights, my man. Cool, man. I'll see y'all. I'll see y'all this weekend. All thanks. right, take care. There it is, Regis Progray, yeah. one of the uh, top up-and-coming stars in the sport of boxing, uh, coming off of a very nice win over Julius Ndongo uh, Friday night from Deadwood, South Dakota. Uh, now he's traveling, man. He's traveling all over. He was at the fight uh, in San Antonio to watch Mikey Garcia. Uh, Regis makes it known that in 18 months, he believes that there's no bigger fight at uh, 140 or in boxing than uh, Regis Progray versus Mikey Garcia. I'd love to see that. I'd love to see uh, Regis get in there with maybe Terrence Crawford if he goes back down to 140 or back up to 147. There are a lot of names for Regis Progray, and he's got a great promoter with Lou DiBella who is willing to uh, work with all the promoters in boxing. So Regis Progray in a very good spot right here, well-deserved uh, for all the things he's been through in his life. Didn't take the easy road. You know, he took the hard road here, and he's right here at the edge of superstardom. So special thanks to everyone at uh, DiBella Entertainment, uh, Sean, for setting this up. Uh, Regis Progray was a great guest. We've got more coming for you here on Inside Boxing Live. You know, I work in the boxing business, and it's hard for me to keep track of all the rumors, all the fights that are being made, all the stories, the headlines. So here at Inside Boxing Live, we rounded up all the headlines, all the big stories in a segment that we call In Case You Missed It. First bit of order here is uh, Jermel Charlo has uh, 150K money jewelry bags stolen uh, from Jay-Z's 4040 Nightclub, which is located not too far from here at Jack Doyle's. Uh, I know the Charlo brothers were at the Wilder-Ortiz fight. Afterwards, they wanted to go out to the clubs. And you can't go out to the club unless you bring your bag full of jewelry and uh, your 40K and your, your $150,000 worth of jewelry, right? I mean, you got to do that when you go out to the club. That's what I do, at least. And, uh, of course, an altercation broke out between the Charlo uh, brothers and uh, another group of people. And they were actually caught on surveillance. You can see a, a group of ladies go to the, the, the booth that they were at pick up the bag and just walk right out of the club with it <laughs> and uh the charlo brothers figured out you know what like oh my god my my jewelry and my forty thousand dollars is gone so they uh filed a, a complaint or whatever you got to do with the new york uh nypd it went on for a few days but there is an update on this it has been returned uh the women were identified on screen and uh, they gave back the money i don't know if they're in trouble I don't know what goes on with that, but you know what? The Charlo brothers got back their bling. They got all their money, and maybe they learned a lesson here. Don't go to the clubs with uh, all that cash on you when you're a, a famous uh, athlete. Uh, moving on, more with the Charlo brothers. Jamal Charlo, uh, Danny Jacobs, I'm sure you saw this. Uh, it's been circulating on the Internet. They were backstage at the Barclays at the Wilder Ortiz fight, and Charlo was uh, holding court with uh, all the media members. And uh, he's talking about Centeno. He's talking about all the big fights he wants to make down the line. Uh, he brought up Danny Jacobs. He said, you know, Jacobs is hiding, hiding behind HBO. He's hiding behind Eddie Hearn. In walks Danny Jacobs at the perfect time. Uh, Nick, do you have the audio here? It's, it's great. You got to play this. He hasn't fought anybody. Do you think that's code for we don't want to fight you? Nah. There you go. Okay. Nah, it ain't, it ain't, it ain't, it ain't that you gotta earn your way in the division. I'm in the division. Ooh, I came at the perfect time. At the perfect goddamn time. At the perfect goddamn time. So, you already know. I'm just trying to figure out how you do your shit at 160. 
I'm like, just trying to figure out what we both skip out. You know, you want to fight? We both got fights. No, no, sure, love. That's my man. So skip this. We can skip the shit. I'm just trying to figure out like what we doing. We gonna play back and forth or where? You said go to HBO. I, I do whatever ducking, you want to do. Ducking, ducking you to go on HBO? No, no, no. <laughs> Bro, you ain't even touching M yet. I'm touching M's. That's why I made my way to HBO. I get that. I know you're gonna or probably get, get it. You don't know what I'm touching. But don't say. You don't know what I'm oh, touching. I, I know what you're touching. I never said you're ducking. I ain't never said you're ducking. I know what you're touching, baby. I ain't never said you're ducking. They asked him, if you want to fight Danny, why not? They said, why not? He wanted a big name. I was going to They said, they said, she said, Roadrunner. They said, Roadrunner. That's what I'm talking about. What's up? Because you don't need to go back and forth. We ain't got to go back. You know I'm not stuck. You don't want to There it is. I mean, that was a lot to take from that. My biggest takeaway from an altercation is Danny Jacobs wins round one. He walked in. As he was talking, you can see Charlo kind of like his eyes lit up. He got a little timid. You know, he brings up the you ain't touching M's yet, as in you're not making millions. And Danny Jacobs, I guess, is making millions with HBO and, and Eddie Hearn. And that's when Charlo then uh, once again concedes. I will be making M's one day. So he gives up the he gives up that in, in this altercation. So it's got to be you got to give round one to Danny Jacobs. You know, all kidding aside, that was classic uh, entourage talk going on in the back. You heard Road Runner. You heard so what are some of the other ones? Uh, you running HBO money. You heard your let them conversate. Let them conversate. You heard every entourage like lingo it's like they have a little uh, handbook on what you say in one of these altercations but you know props to these two guys for not making it escalate to any violence uh they didn't throw around too, too many curses they kind of kept it civil they talked it was interesting to see and that's the good thing about showtime uh these fights at showtime they bring in all the fighters the charlo brothers are, are ringside broner is always ringside joseph parker you know anyone that's fighting on the schedule they come to these events and they all meet with each other they talk it's great for the media so it's good to see this i mean if we if this altercation gives us a jamal charlo danny jacobs clash at 160 all four because that's a dynamite fight and one thing we know about danny jacobs is yes he moved over to hbo yes he's waiting for another big payday against canelo or a rematch with golovkin he's kind of running out of, of opponents here i mean he's if he's touching m's for fighting selecki and fighting Luis Arias, you know, God bless, and, and he'll keep that up. But, you know, eventually he's going to have to go step up again, and, and he can't wait forever for uh, um, Golovkin or Canelo. Let's move on, Nick. Uh, the next bit of information here, Manny Pacquiao. Uh, we talked to Bob Aaron before. Manny Pacquiao has begun training for his June fight with Lucas Matisse. And it's you don't know what is going on uh, with Manny Pacquiao. Is he... Taking this fight with Matisse, is it going to be in Malaysia? Is he with top rank still? Is he cut off? I see rumors that he's cut off ties with Freddie Roach. This is classic Manny Pacquiao rumor mill stuff. Uh, we've heard it all from, you know, Manny Pacquiao is in IRS problems. Manny Pacquiao has money problems. Uh, Manny Pacquiao is retiring. We've heard Manny Pacquiao is going to fight in Abu Dhabi. We heard he's going to fight in Saudi Arabia. We heard he's going to fight in the middle of the desert uh, against the camel. We've heard every single rumor when it comes to Manny Pacquiao so the latest is now that he's fighting June 24th against Lucas Matisse a fight that we all want to see it's the best possible fight it's so much better than in uh, Mike Alvarado and apparently there was a rumor that Pacquiao was in a fight on the undercard of Terence Crawford Jeff Horn which did not sit well with Manny Pacquiao Manny Pacquiao uh, says you know what I'm not I might be a diminished at my older age but I, there's no way that I'm fighting on an undercard 
And there's also a rumor that he's never going to step foot in the United States again. Because the minute he steps here, Uncle Sam is going to come and he's going to do what Marquez did to him. He's going to take him out, <laughs> take his money. So there's a lot of that. And we have to get some, uh, some more clarification there. So uh, we see the videos from Manny Pacquiao. We hear the, uh, the quotes from Michael Kahn's, uh, who is a quote a minute. And um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens uh, with Manny Pacquiao. Uh, moving forward here, a fight that we know is happening is April 21st. In case you missed this, Omar Figueroa is out against Adrian Broner. Jesse Vargas in. I believe they're fighting at a catch weight. It's either 142 or 144. It's not going to be at 140. Uh, the fight will go on. It's actually a triple header featuring uh, Charlo and also uh, 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 Javonta Davis is fighting on that card April 21st. That should be uh, the Barclays. I expect to be uh, a big turnout for, for that one. I'm actually kind of uh, pissed that I'm not going to see Figueroa versus Broner. I was looking forward to how Adrian Broner was going to handle someone uh, that's going to throw 100 punches around. I think it would have been a perfect stylistic fight for the fans. You got Figueroa throwing upwards of 100 punches around versus Broner, who's uh, we know Broner doesn't throw a lot of punches. He's more into his defense. He picks and chooses. I wanted to see how he would handle that. Would he be on the run? Uh, with Vargas, it's going to be a lot more of a chess match. Vargas is a guy that you know, doesn't throw that many punches, maybe 50, 60 around, if that. And uh, it's going to be more of a chess match, but you know, ultimately could be a better fight. But I was looking forward to see Figueroa. Um, you know, he's working through a shoulder injury. He also had a DWI. Uh, this fight almost, got, almost didn't happen, but we'll see Adrian Broner in the ring April 21st going up against uh, Jesse Vargas. Moving forward, in case you missed this, Eddie Hearn was uh, holding court over at the StubHub Center on the Valdez Quig card. Eddie Hearn said that he wants to make Joshua Wilder next. After uh, Deontay Wilder knocked out Luis Ortiz in their fight last month, he came away thinking, I guess now's the time to make Joshua versus Wilder. Should Joshua get past jo Joseph Parker? A lot of people are uh, just kind of penciling in this Joshua Wilder fight when, you know, he hasn't even gotten to the ring yet with uh, Joseph Parker. And there are a lot of takeaways from this. Eddie Hearn, I guess, feels like the fight is at its biggest it could possibly be right now. He also thinks that, you know, we saw some vulnerabilities with with uh, Deontay Wilder when they're with a big puncher like Luis Ortiz. Maybe uh, Deontay uh, Wilder loses his next fight, and then what? Then the fight's ruined. So Eddie Hearn wants to make Wilder Joshua next I'm all for it. I don't believe in the marination. I don't believe in letting fights marinate. I, we still look what happened to Pacquiao Mayweather. That fight took, what, six, seven years to get made? Yes, they made the most money they could possibly make, but the fight was putrid. It was horrible. Let's not do that. Let's learn from our mistakes in boxing. Eddie Hearn is a smart guy. Let's make Anthony Joshua, Deontay Wilder. Let's do it in August. Let's do it in August, September. We'll do it. At the Barclays Center, we're doing it in Vegas. He, he also uh, floated out the idea of maybe uh, doing a two-fight deal where the first fight is in Vegas, the second fight is in the UK. I'm all for it. That's, that's great. Let's get it done. Uh, finally, our last piece here, from in case you missed it, Tyson Fury <laughs> challenges Anthony Joshua, not to a boxing match, but to a rowing contest for charity. This is the greatest thing about uh, Tyson Fury. You never know what's going to come out of his mouth. I'm dying to get him here on Inside Boxing Live. We will deliver Tyson Fury to you. But Tyson Fury, he goes, I'm going to challenge Anthony Joshua, but not to a boxing match, to a rowing contest. I didn't even know Tyson Fury rows. Is that like a thing that he does? I mean, is that how he's losing his weight? It's probably a great exercise, but he wants to do it for charity. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think Anthony Joshua is going to hop into a boat 
with, with Tyson Fury, but stranger things have happened. I want to see Tyson Fury back in the ring. You know, there are rumors that maybe, I got some insider information, that maybe he'll fight in April. He's losing the weight, whether he's doing it from rowing, you know, he's running, he's putting, uh, you saw a picture of him with a giant tree trunk on uh, carrying a tree trunk running up a hill. Tyson Fury's putting in the work because he sees these paydays. He knows a fight with Wilder and a fight with, with Anthony Joshua could earn him hundreds of millions. That's not even a stretch of the imagination for a fight of that stature. But that's it. A lot of news and notes here on uh, In Case You Missed It. That's what we do here. We get you all caught up. Uh, we got more coming on the way. Uh, before we get into this interview here with uh, Mick Conlon, I want to talk to you about Jack Doyle's bar and restaurant. We're here right now filming uh, the Inside Boxing Life podcast. Jack Doyle's is the perfect bar and restaurant for the big game. Come in here. It's just steps away from Madison Square Garden. Uh, you can get a drink. You can get some food. The food here is excellent. Brendan and his staff will take care of you. Jack Doyle's is the place to go uh, in New York City for all the big fights. And look at this. We're joined on the set. But Mick Collin, thanks a lot for joining us. I know uh, it's a very busy fight week for you, and uh, you're, you're a busy man, so thank you for taking some time for us, man. Thanks for having me, Juan. I appreciate it. So you're here in New York. The Mick Collin World Tour is yeah. back. This will be your third fight at MSG. You debut a year ago, uh, of course, with uh, on St. Patrick's Day with McGregor bringing you into the ring. It's been a, uh, a whirlwind year for you. Talk a little bit about uh, this year for you and everything that's gone on in your career. Yeah, it's been a, a fantastic year, you know. It's hard to believe. It's almost one uh, one year to the day. Come Saturday, that you know, I made my professional debut in that electric Madison Square Garden. Um, I think the year has progressed really well. My my performances have got better and better and better, and you know, I'm starting to feel like coming full circle as an athlete and you know, getting to be a more complete fighter. Now uh, we're here at Fight Week. We're taping this show on on Wednesday. Fights on Saturday night. From here, you'll go on to the, the, the media workouts, and uh, from there, you got the press conferences, then you got the weigh-in. Talk to us about fight week, because so all we see is, as fight fans, we see the, the day of the fight. We don't know what goes, the preparation that goes in, not just talking about the training camp, but the actual fight week. What's the hardest part of fight week? I think, you know, it's obviously controlling your intake and, and, and what you're eating, you know, making the weight, really, is, is all fight week is about for me. and. I'm making it quite easy. I'm only like three pins over nine on Wednesday, so, you know. Um, you look happy. Yeah, I'm happy. I enjoy it. I do enjoy fight week. It's especially in New York. You know, where are the places it can be born, there could be not much to do, but New York's a city where I just feel at home. And I, anywhere I go, there's like people I know, so it's like, it is, it's my second home and it makes fight week so much easier. Do you feel at home that you're in an Irish bar here at Jack Doyle's? Uh, do you feel extra at home? I know you want to have, probably want to have a yeah. pint. And a burger, but yeah, I know you're, you're, you're trying to get away Yeah, here. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at the bottle of Jack Daniels. <laughs> it just caught my eye, you know, I, I wouldn't mean, but, you know, it's, it's fight week, so i got to focus on the fight first. Now, you're talking about New York City. You'll be fighting here for the third time, taking on David Berna. 15-2, 14 KOs. This is easily the biggest step up in your career. What do you know about your opponent? And our, is this someone that you picked out? Did you want to step up in class? Yeah, listen, top rank brought him to me. They says, what do you think of this guy? And I said, yes, right away. Um, you know, it's it's someone who I want to I want to face and, I, and I'm happy to face. Um, he's a come forward fighter, pressure fighter. He commits, but sometimes he doesn't commit enough. And I think he'll leave openings and I think I'll be able to take him out. 
What's something you want to work on here? I know it's early on in your career, and every time you go into the ring, you learn something new. Uh, you've picked up wins in all your fights, 5-0. and what do, you, uh, what do you want to work on in this camp? I know you had a new camp. We'll get to that in a second, too. But what do you want to work on in this fight particularly? I just want to show my skills more. Um, obviously, I want to take them out, as usual. That's, that's always the mentality you have to have, I believe. But, you know, I've, I've prepared well. I'm, I'm re I, could, I could go 12 rounds on, on Saturday night. Don't, don't get me wrong. I've, I've been sparring 12, 10, 12 rounds in the gym, and it's been easy. So it's my first step up to eight rounds. I'm looking forward to getting to see what it's like on fight night doing the eight rounds. I don't think it'll go eight rounds, but you know, I'm looking forward to working on some defensive techniques that I've been working in the gym and obviously you know, working that body. Working the body, that's the, that's the thing the young fighters that they don't do enough and uh, working the body. And you had a new, uh, a new uh, training camp, switch trainers to Adam Booth in, uh, it was in England, correct? Yeah. So how has that transition been for you? I know you were training uh, with Manny Robles in LA. Yeah. You wanted to move out to uh, be closer to home because you know you have a baby on the way yeah. and uh, you got your fiance. And uh, how is the new camp? How are you acclimated to your new trainer? How's everything going with that? The new camp, you know, I'm not going to lie. It's been the best training camp I've had as a professional. Um, for the, the, and the only reason I moved really was logistical. You know, obviously my, my, my fiance is having another baby and. You know, we, we, we needed to be closer to home to kind of have that home circle. We were 12-hour flight, 8-hour time difference when we were living in L.A. And I, I'm just an hour away from her, and she, she's at home while I stay in training camp in London. But the campus went great. Adam has been a, a, a great mentor, a great coach, a great tactician, so to say, to, to work with. And, you know, I feel I've gelled really well, and I feel I've improved as a fighter. Now we're here in New York City. You said it's your second home. I saw uh, you were at the Knicks game last night, yeah. sitting courtside with your brother. That must have been a thrill. How do you like the Knicks? Yeah, I love the Knicks. You know, well, keep in mind the Knicks are the, listen, the worst yeah, entity yeah. in New yeah, York City. We got I, it, it. Doesn't matter. They 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 treat me like one of their own every time I go to the games. I got to thank everybody at, at MSG, Sal, Dan, all the guys. You know, they, they they look after me, and you know they do really make me feel like it's home. And that's what I'm saying again. You know, every time I come to New York, I'm I feel like it's home because. I'm treated like I'm at home, and it's 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 a really humbling, lovely feeling. Yeah, you're part of the you're part of the MSG family, and I know they have the, the Knicks, they got the Rangers. Uh, you I'm know, going to the Rangers game tonight. You're going to the Rangers so, game tonight. So, you're living the life, so, man. You're yeah, living yeah. that you're living that good New York City life. It's, it's not too bad. I'm, I'm going to be going with a, a fellow Irishman, a wrestler, oh, Finn okay. Balor. You know, Finn Balor, yeah, no way. Finn, Finn Balor's here. Me and Finn are, are going to the game tonight. Um, you guys, you guys are buddies. Yeah, we're friends. So you know. Um, Top ring have organized us to us two to go to the game tonight, and you know I'm going to look forward to that. And, and then I'm going to go and watch those guys on Friday evening after our weigh-in. Nice. Uh, oh. At the restaurant with with my fiance, you know she she loves she loves the divas and stuff. Gosh, so. The divas are <laughs> great, man. I'm a, I, I like the WWE. <laughs> WWE is cool. Yeah. But it's great. You put in the hard work. You put in all the training. It's yeah. good to enjoy the, the you know the rigors of the sport. You got to go Fate out week. and have fun. New York makes fit week so easy for me. It's a it's a great place to be. Um, so much to do. So much respect, family, and humbleness around here, it's, it's fantastic. I saw on Instagram uh, that your bag did not arrive yeah. from, uh, from uh, Ireland or wherever you were coming from. We need an update. Did the bag come? Do you have all the your clothes? The bags came. The fake kit arrived, thank God. Uh, but everything else, I got I to give a shout out to Kev from Reebok. Yeah, my, my Irish brother, you know, he's, he's based in Boston, but he got me hooked up by Reebok. He, he got in contact with him and sent me down to the store. and. 
was able to the peco everything I needed, the peco trading gear, clothes. See, this is the difference between Mick Collin and, and a regular <laughs> Joe. When we when we lose our bags, we have to deal with it. We'll have to go to Kmart, buy some uh, champion sweatpants, throw on like a, a hoodie. You call up Reebok, they send you the top of the line yeah. gear. I so said they send you they send you uh, they, sneakers too, yeah, right? Yeah, no, they they dump my Customized? boots. They dump my customized fake boots, so you know. I gotta thank them. We've done them last year also, and you know, I think it'll be a, a thing we'll we, we'll keep doing because you know there's no boots like Reebok boots. They're so comfortable, so yeah. you know they're they're, the, they're they're my choice of boot. Now you're here in New York City. You love New York. How about a little New York trivia? Let's go. I don't want to put you on the spot here. These are these are pretty easy questions. At least I think so. I'm born and raised here. Okay. Okay. We'll start off. Um, which one of these is the nickname for New York City? Go. Choice A, the Windy City. Choice B. The Big Apple. Choice C, City of Brotherly Love. Big Apple. There you go. Number Easy. you got it. What building does uh, did King Kong climb in the uh, Godzilla? Empire State. Two for two. He's nailing it. Uh, here we go. What is the name of the, the big sprawling park on the west side of Manhattan? Uh, Central Park. This dude, is, he's a regular. He's in a, he's in a move here. <laughs> Finally, uh, which sports team? Here in New York City, has the most world championships in all of sports. Yankees. Nailed it. You're 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 officially a New Yorker. I'm a New Yorker. That's it. It's, it's through official. and through. It's official. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk to you about uh, your buddy Oscar Valdez. Yeah. Um, Top-ranked family. You, uh, you your buddies with Oscar. Yeah. Fought last week on uh, ESPN. 1.1 million viewers. Absolute war with Scott Quigg. A lot of things going on before the fight with the weight. Let's talk about the actual fight and Oscar Valdez stepping in there with a guy who looked like a middleweight. You know, came in there probably didn't he didn't weigh in the the, the day of. Talk yeah. a little bit about Oscar as the person, the fighter, and I want to get your thoughts on the whole uh, the weight issue too. You know, me and Oscar are friends from when I used to train with him in in, in California and with Manny Robles and you know, he's he's a great guy, great dude, humble guy, very humble and an absolute warrior. Uh, it shows the, the make of the man. You know. When he says, "I don't care, I'm still fighting him. I don't care if he didn't make. I don't care if he didn't check the day after. Yeah. I'll still fight him. The result will what be the same." What would you have done there in that situation? I would have done the same. You know, I think it's 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 a natural thing to do. You know, you don't want to, you, you never want to pull out of a fight. So, you know, what I, I think Oscar had prepared correctly. You know, if he hadn't prepared correctly, he would have he would have pulled out. But he always prepares correctly. He's the he's the ultimate professional from what I've seen. Um, and then you know, hurt his hand badly in in the second round, and then. Broke his jaw in the fifth round and continued to fight. Kept the gum sheet in, and you could see his teeth and that stuff. That was crazy. Like it's he crazy. was, you could see his 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 like chin was not yeah. aligned with his face during the fight. His face looked it looked it was like disconfigured. I, th I think, you know, he 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 showed what everybody thinks when they think of a Mexican warrior. He showed what is what it is to be a Mexican warrior, and you know, I think this will do, you know, his his profile, his his. Uh, his media, his yeah. media persona, you know, yeah. I think it will do him wonders, but he can't have too much of these. You can't, you're right, uh, Floyd Mayweather taught us the best, you hit and don't get hit, you want to come out with all yeah. your faculties that you're working on your defense, you know, you, you want to be in those wars for the fans, but, you know, if you want to prolong career as a young guy, I mean, yeah. you want to prolong your career, you can't be in wars like that. Yeah, I think so, I think, he's had three back-to-back -back now, you know, 36 rounds, three 12 rounders, and, and they've all been tough, tough fights, you know, Cervania, Mariaga, and, uh, and Quig, and you know, I, I know Quig too, Quig's a, a big featherweight, yeah. you know, he was a, a huge bantamweight, but he's a big featherweight, and, you know, Oscar, I think, is next one, maybe he deserves, oh, that was a, that, and that wasn't even a mandatory, that was a voluntary, that I was, know. like, that show, the shows, the make of him, 
you know, to take that kind of guy as, as a voluntary, it was huge. Um, if 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 Quake had me wait, there, I think Oscar could have knocked him out most certainly. Yeah, know? I mean, he was he was eating some huge punches, and you got to yeah. figure a guy his own weight would have been knocked out. But by at those. the same time, you know, you got to say with Quake, he he got in, he got an injury in camp, and he couldn't make weight. It wasn't it was nothing. It was nothing like I, I thought myself at the start. It was maybe a tactic, but you know he has a legitimate reason now. He he hurt his foot. He couldn't run, so he couldn't cut the weight. And you know, fair enough. And fair play to him as well for for being that kind of dance partner where he could go in there and he could take those kind of shots yeah. and and give the shots he was given back. Oof. I mean, it's great to watch it fan and uh, it raised the profile of Oscar Valdez it was uh, it was a risk that paid off ultimately down the road another uh, weight issue or, or out of the ring issues is Canelo Alvarez I want to get your take on this as a, uh, a professional fighter and someone that takes training very seriously failed a drug test for clenbuterol which is uh, I'm pretty sure it's a drug that it doesn't exactly add mass on it helps you breathe better it helps you cut weight he blames it on tainted meat which is a lot of thing. Which is the claim of a lot of Mexican fighters. I want to get your thoughts on, I know how can something like this happen? Is this something that you know you are ingesting food all the time? It's so yeah. important to you. You know, can, is that like an acceptable excuse for Canelo? I, I, I don't think. Listen, I, I'm not going to say he intentionally done it, and that's the truth. I don't know if he did or not, so I cannot comment on that. But at the same time, if any athlete fails a drug test for whatever reason, whether it's accidental. Or purposely they should be banned and you know that's that's the truth they should be banned purposely they should maybe do jail time wow, wow. and, and that's, and that's what truth, wilder yeah. deontay wilder has come out and said anyone because he's had trouble with you know yeah. Pavetkin, ortiz, ortiz he says that if you do steroids or you do anything jail time because yeah. you're using your fit like you can cause some serious yeah, harm it's, it's it's a sport where a lot of people actually do die and you know it's when you're in there your your, your mentality is that to hurt them as much as possible so you can win the fight. So, you know what, obviously, if, if you're trying to go in there and kill someone and you have took some stuff that can actually help you do that more, you should, you should maybe you should be attempted murder, maybe. <laughs> um, but with, with Canelo, what I will say is that he is the, the face of boxing at the minute. And, you know, he should know. I think every Mexican athlete who's came through the, maybe the amateur system, the Olympic system, they would be well briefed on the meat and the situation with their meat because their meat is tainted. I'm not going to say it's not, but if you're Canelo, you have your own farm. You, you <laughs> I mean, you're getting, what, 15 million a fight yeah. at this point? You got the endorsements coming out, coming from every which way. You're yeah. right. You should. You he should, should. He should have his own. He should have all his meat tested. Everything he should be eating should be tested, and he should know everything. So I, I, don't, I don't think it's acceptable, but it is what it is. Do I think he should be fighting Triple G next? No, I don't. I think he, one rule should stand for everybody. You know, if someone gets banned for, for taking drugs, everybody should get banned for yeah. taking drugs. Unfortunately, you know, the business side of things, there's a lot of money in play for that fight. Yeah. You know, it could generate, you know, so much money for Vegas and, and for the promotional company. So how often do you get te drug tested? Yeah, I've been tested every single fight. So, okay. you know, and, and that doesn't happen to young professionals, which for me, because I'm... I'm so high up on the card, I think I, I get tested regularly. New York is, is fantastic for testing. They seem to test everybody, which is good because it's fair. It's only fair game, you know what I mean? The thing about with Canelo as well is that it, for him, I actually feel sorry if, if, if he has done this accidentally because he hasn't tested it. He hasn't checked his meter or nothing, and he's never tested positive or positive in, in the past. And now it is 
maybe tinted the rest of his career? It's yeah, it does. His legacy is is definitely marred, and his his image isn't the greatest to begin with. You know, Mexican fans aren't exactly on board with him. There's some Mexican fans that like Triple G more than him, so this certainly isn't going to help. But uh, it's nice to get your thoughts on that, but I want to talk about you here. You're getting ready for your big fight on Saturday night, Madison Square Garden. You've came on the show before, and we talked about some of your goals in the next year. Where do you see yourself, you know, a year from now? So much has happened in this past year. Where do you want to progress when maybe we're sitting down on uh, St. Patrick's Day 2019? At that point, where do you think you'll be in your career? I would hope to be pushing on towards titles next year, um, you know, there or thereabouts. The dream for me would be a world title in Madison Square Garden, the big, yeah. the big room next year, St. Patrick's Day. You know, whether it happens or not, I don't know yet. It depends how this year goes, and I, I plan on having a good year with some good tests. So, you know, hopefully I could, I could push up there by this time next year, and that's, that's where I want to be. Well, and I haven't focused on, people keep asking, who, who, who do you want, who do you want? I'm not focusing on anybody, I'm focusing on myself, and I know if I focus on myself and my own performances, everything else falls into place. It's good that you're 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 now your third fight in, in New York. You're getting more acclimated every every time you're here. You come you seem very comfortable here in New York, and that's smart because you got to figure the biggest fights in your career, the world title fights, are going to happen in this city. Yeah, definitely. And that that's what I want. You know, I want to fight for a world title in the Big Garden on St. Patrick's Day, and you know, seeing. Even being at the Knicks games and stuff, and being in that arena and seeing what it's like when 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 it's packed, it's it's special. And and I don't think, you know, I, I don't think I'll get a feeling of the entrance I had on the debut until I win a world title here on, on St. Patrick's Day. What do you do on on the day of on the fight day? On you wake up Saturday morning, what's your mindset? You got your team, you got a great team with you. What's everyone? What's the mindset? You guys, you know, blast the music, you play the DMX. I know that. <laughs> I, I, I like a bit of DMX, you know, when, I, when I'm building the fight. But fight day usually for me is just chilled, completely chilled. No, just having fun, relaxed. Don't I don't like to think too much about the fight. So you know, I just like to chill, listen to some nice music, go walk. It's actually hard. Last year I, I had to like put a few coats on and, and I covered my face because what me walking out in New York on St Patrick's Day, hey, everybody's going to be gra- like trying to grab me and stuff. So I had to like kind of camouflage myself and, and just walked in the street and you know little walk fresh air chill in the hotel room so, well, my, my daughter was here last year she's not here this year so i would have played with her and stuff but now nah, this year i'll just focus on the fight have a little my usual little walk relax chill out eat, eat some nice food get ready to knock someone out there you go i mean this will be the first time you're actually fighting on st patrick's day at least here in, in new york city i know your last fight was on the maybe the friday before yeah. So, I mean, you got to figure the crowd and all your, your countrymen are going to be out in full force. I know a lot of people have flown over from Ireland. You're going to get all the, the... Have you ever been in New York City on St. Patrick's Day? Yeah, it's last nuts. year. Last, yeah, it's crazy. This it's place crazy. will be... Jack Doyle's will be packed out. Everyone's going to be spilling into the arena to watch your fight. What are your message to your Irish fans before we let you go here? I just want to say thank you to all my Irish fans who, who you know, from New York, from all around the world, because I know there's fans traveling from Australia, Canada, you know, other parts of Europe, Ireland also. Uh, and you know, I want to. I want even the guys here in, in New York and uh, different parts of America. I want to thank them because you know, without those guys, this stuff couldn't happen. These these nights couldn't happen. And you know, I'm, I'm very humbled by every single person who goes and buys a ticket because they're spending their hard-earned cash to watch me, and you know, that that is a humbling feeling. Mick, it's been a pleasure talking with you here. Appreciate you taking time out of a very busy fight week. Join us here, at Jack Doyle's. Wish you the best of luck Saturday night. 
Mick Conlon steps into the ring with David Berna. Uh, biggest step up in his career of, as of late. St. Patrick's Day, Madison Square Garden. The place is going to be electric. You can still get tickets now through Top Rank. Uh, Mick, thanks a lot for joining us, man. Thank you. We're here at Jack Doyle's in the heart of New York City. And uh, whenever I'm at the bar with my boys, I always uh, I take a look at my phone. I open up Twitter, and I see some ridiculous tweets uh, from the boxing Twitter, from fighters, promoters, fans. So uh, with that, it's time for my favorite segment of the show. Uh, this is Twitter hitters, folks. And this might be one of the better Twitter hitter compilations we've put together. You know, all week long, I take my screenshots when I see a fire tweet. And I had my folder had about 30 in them. I had to condense them down for time purposes here. It was a very, very busy week for Twitter. Uh, when it comes to fighters calling each other out, you had Wilder Ortiz, which was the number one trending topic on Twitter uh, throughout their fight on the fallout from there. Then you had Canelo failing a drug test on, uh, on Monday. All the Canelo tweets, all the Canelo memes, I got into the mix because it was super easy. Uh, the, the Canelo Tecate <laughs> commercial where he's uh, like eyeing down a giant piece of meat. It's just too easy. I mean, uh, but from there, there were so many uh, fighters calling each other out. So let's start off with uh, Danny Jacobs. Uh, we showed you the altercation between him and Jamal Charlo. I think it started off on Twitter or it, it, it spilled into Twitter after the altercation. So Boxing News 24 tweeted, Jamal Charlo calls out Danny Jacobs. Danny Jacobs quote uh, retweets it and writes, Don't worry, baby cub. That's a play on the Lions only. Uh, future of boxing, Mr. Montrell, your time is coming. Unlike your last opponent, both my legs still work, and I'm ready for a child's play. You say only lines ready for 100 bombs. First of all, Jacobs, I wouldn't go and start criticizing the opponents of Jamal Charlo when you're going up against, uh, you know, Lucas, uh, Luis Arias running around the ring. You haven't exactly faced a murderer's row here, but, you know, this fight is starting to brew up. It's starting to brew on Twitter. That's where we've seen a lot of, of, of good fights start now. That's the, that's the thing with the social media now. Fighters are calling each other out. They're putting the, the pressure on the promoters. The fans are putting pressure, uh, pressure on the promoters, and we're starting to see uh, big fights getting made. Uh, Jamal Charlo didn't like what uh, Danny Jacobs had to say on Twitter. That's when he types what happens to the little uh, lion emoji as time pass. I don't know what that, exactly what that means. Billy Joe Saunders looking for an opponent. He hops into the mix, always, as he usually does. Let's make it after the 14th, April 14th. That's when uh, Billy Joe Saunders is fighting Martin Murray. I'll slap you silly. <laughs> hashtag Jackson Brothers, hashtag I'm bad. So apparently Billy Joe Saunders thinks the Charlo Brothers are the Jackson Brothers or the Jackson Five. I don't know, but I love Billy Joe Saunders. He wants it too. He, he's looking, sitting back over there in the UK, seeing all this uh, unfold. Hey, I'm one of the best fighters at 160. These two guys are yapping their gums at each other. They're you know, typing to each other. I got to get in the mix too. Uh, so there's Billy Joe Saunders. Errol Spence, a guy that doesn't like to do a lot of talking, but in this day and age on Twitter, you have to. So he gets into the mix. This one really threw me for a loop. If Kel Brook gets a world title fight, I'll fight him at 154. I mean, he already fought Kel Brook at 147. Broke his eye socket on his home, made him knee, made him take a knee on his own home turf. So I don't understand him wanting to fight at 154. What does he gain from that? Is it because Errol Spence is tired of waiting for Danny uh, Garcia, tired of waiting for Keith Thurman, tired of waiting for all those big fights? So he knows that he knows that Kel Brook is a guy that will take on anybody. 
let's keep this in mind. If Kell Brook does fight Errol Spence, Kell Brook's going through a gauntlet here. Triple G, Errol Spence, back-to-back fights. I mean, hats off uh, to Kell Brook. If he, especially if he takes on Charlo after this. I mean, you got to you know, tip your cap to Kell Brook because he does a lot of trash talking as well. Here we go. Boxing scene tweeted out. Sergey Kovalov. I want Badu Jack if he beats Adonis Stevenson. And um, we saw Sergey Kovalov in the ring at the theater. He disposed of his opponent. And after the fight, Max Kellerman asked him, who do you want next? And he didn't say Donna Stevenson. He didn't say Dimitri Bival. He said, he said Badu Jack, which is very interesting uh, for a number of reasons. He wants big, big money fights Kovalov at this point in his career. And Badu Jack got wind of it. He goes on Twitter, let's do it, Crusher Kovalev, thumbs up. So you know, this is the, the trend we're seeing on social media and on Twitter is fighters are calling each other out. They're, they're ramping up the pressure on the promoters, and we might see a Badu Jack versus Sojay Kovalev down the road. I hope so. <laughs> Adrian Broner, this is great. He responded to a tweet from, from Dan Rayfield. Dan Rayfield tweeted something about the fight being, uh, uh, the Broner-Vargas fight being called off. And the reason why, apparently, uh, uh, I'm sorry, the Figueroa Broner fight being called off. And Figueroa said it was, you know, because of a shoulder injury. Adrian Broner said, no, no, no. He knew he wasn't going to make weight and I was going to stop his ass. That's what Broner responds to Dane Rayfield. Maybe that's the case. Maybe that's why Figueroa uh, backed out of this one. He couldn't make weight. Maybe he thought that Broner was going to beat that ass. I don't know. So uh, it's funny to see Adrian Broner and Dan Rayfield have had some very good wars back and forth on Twitter. Adrian Broner is very quick to point out uh, the size of, of Dan Rayfield, which is a low blow. I mean, it's, it's low-hanging fruit, so leave Dan alone. Oscar De La Hoya. I mean, come on, Oscar. I mean, what are you doing here? He tweets at Bronze Bomber. Congratulations. Bronze Bomber is Deontay Wilder. Congratulations on such a great accomplishment when everyone doubted you. Hit me up when you want to make real money and have someone who will promote you to be a pay-per-view star. He couldn't just leave it at congratulations, great fight. You know, this is great for the sport. No, Oscar had to uh, make it about him. He had to turn it into a business move. Hit me up when you want to make real money and have someone who will promote you. You had the chance to promote Deontay Wilder. Of course, we know that. Deontay Wilder was a golden boy fighter for those first 30-plus fights of his career, and he was fighting absolutely nobody. And you let him go. He went to the PBC. And you got to give props to the PBC, man. Premier Boxing Champions, they have a lot of criticism, but they really handled their, they really handled uh, Deontay Wilder the right way. He, you know, uh, non-boxing fans, casual boxing fans know who Deontay Wilder is. Uh, fight week for Deontay Wilder, Luis Ortiz, he was on Fox News, Fox News Business. He was on SportsCenter. He was on First Take. Uh, PBC brought in that, that young kid, I, I, his name, I, I can't remember his name, but you see him on Instagram, he's like a motivational speaker. He's about eight years old. He brought him in to cross-promote. You know, PBC's finally figuring out you got to cross-promote. you got to get these fighters on, on platforms and avenues that aren't the usual uh, boxing podcast uh, or the usual boxing. You know, get them out there on ESPN, get them out there on Fox Business. So i got to give PBC their props, and Lou DiBella, who is uh, – who, Oscar was throwing some shade at right here. Lou DiBella, Shelly Finkel, uh, Al Heyman, all the guys that handled the career of Deontay Wilder. You guys are doing a great job. Uh, keep it up. Carl Frampton here gets into the Canelo. This is now Monday once Canelo drug tests hit, the, hit Twitter about 5 p.m. Uh, New York time. Carl Frampton, who's a great tweeter, always uh, doesn't hold anything back. It's, uh, even, 
it's not even a surprise when a boxer fails a test anymore. F off. Uh, he's fed up. You know, he's fed up with these fighters failing drug tests. He thinks it's not even a surprising fact anymore. Tend to agree with him here. This was hilarious. I think this was the best tweet. This Liam Smith tweet was the best tweet of all the Canelo ones. Because there were some really good ones. The fans were tweeting, um, make no mistake about it. Uh, this is tough for Canelo. All the memes, all that stuff. It was going on and on and on. But Liam Smith, who fought Canelo a couple years back, he says, Canelo failed a drug test. Effin knew there was a reason I lost to him, the crying emoji face. Had to put the crying emoji face in there because there are fans out there that actually think that Liam Smith would be serious here. They don't understand sarcasm. There's no font for sarcasm on Twitter. But I thought Liam Smith absolutely nailed it here, saying that the only reason Canelo beat him was because he was on the meat. He was on the tainted meat. And finally, we end our Twitter hitters here with Javante Davis. Just, uh, I would like to just tap into the brain of Javante Davis to think about what he thinks about on a daily basis. This one, very brief, right to the point. I think I want to fight in the UFC. <laughs> All right, Javante, go ahead. I mean, you, 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 you don't make weight in your last fight. You're getting in trouble for all the wrong reasons. You're out there, doing your, you're doing your thing. You're, you're a young, up-and-coming fighter. How about you, you focus on boxing? I mean, you're going to make a ton more money boxing than you are going to in the UFC. And that's what a lot of the responses, if you click on that tweet, all the responses were, how about you just focus on boxing? Or how about you can make so much more money uh, in boxing than the UFC? But it's funny to see with the Mayweather-McGregor, the effects of it. Because now all these fighters want to cross over. I know that UFC guys want to fight in boxing. Boxing want to fight in UFC. Javante Davis wants to hop into the octagon. I'd watch. (laughs) I think I'd watch that one. But that's it. For uh, Twitter hitters, this one was fire. Uh, Special thanks to all the fighters out there. Keeping it real, 280 characters at a time. All right, that's a wrap for Inside Boxing Live. For this special edition, we have to thank all of our guests for joining us. Mick Conlon, uh, Regis Progai. i got to thank uh, everyone at the Bell Entertainment for putting that Regis Progai interview together. Uh, Mick Conlon, MTK. All the great people there coming in, uh, taking some time out from his uh, a fight camp. Got to thank Jack Doyles, everyone here, a great staff, Brendan and all his crew for accommodating us. Looking forward to doing uh, this show from here in the future. Uh, great show. We talked with a lot of people here, and we, uh, we touched on a lot of subjects. You know, boxing is starting to heat up right now. Uh, we're into March, getting into to the, the spring and the summer. A lot of big fights coming up this weekend. But be sure to check out Top Rank Boxing. From uh, the theater at the Garden, you're going to see Mick Collin on St. Patrick's Day, as well as a 140-pound title eliminator between uh, Amir Aman and Jose Ramirez. That's all here from Jack Doyles. We'll see you next time from Inside Boxing Live.